Let me say that I absolutely support this boycott. And not only do I speak for Martin Luther King, but I speak as president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. So it means that this boycott has the absolute support of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. We support uh, the demands, all six of the demands. And I might say that we support it because this is a protest and a struggle against racism and injustice. And this is what we are working to eliminate in our organization and in our total struggle. As you can see, we all thank you guys for taking upon your time to stay here with us. Um, we're sorry that it took a little bit more time, but we thought it would be best for us as a team to brainstorm a little bit, educate ourselves. Uh, and not rushing to having raw emotion, giving you guys things like that. So uh, on behalf of ourselves and our team, we, we're going to place a statement as a team today and go back and continue to educate ourselves and get better awareness of what's going on. And then you know, speak to you guys later. So we're going to come up with a statement now. Our team statement, uh, the past four months have shed a light on the ongoing racial injustices facing our African-American community. Citizens around the country have used their voices and platforms to speak out against these wrongdoings. Over the last few days in our home state of Wisconsin, we've seen the horrendous video of Jacob Blake being shot in the back seven times by a police officer in Kenosha and the additional shooting of protesters. Despite the overwhelming plea for change, there has been no action. So our focus today cannot be on basketball. When we take the court and represent Milwaukee and Wisconsin, we are expected to play at a high level, give maximum effort and hold each other accountable. We hold ourselves to that standard. And in this moment, we are demanding the same from lawmakers and law enforcement. We are calling for justice for Jacob Blake and demand the officers be held accountable. For this to occur, it is imperative for the Wisconsin State Legislature to reconvene after months of inaction and take up meaningful measures to address issues of police accountability, brutality, and criminal justice reform. We encourage all citizens to educate themselves, take peaceful and responsible action, and remember to vote on November 3rd on the behalf of Milwaukee Bucks. to uh, one, I guess it's the one season. So with Reno, with Santa Cruz. Yeah, I don't know how to see stats. <clears throat> Pardon me, it's gonna be hard. <laughs> you know you just burped on YouTube. Oh, I know. I don't care, man. <laughs> oh, I don't care, I don't care, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, the song. We are RegalRadio.com and War Media presents the Running with War show featuring Chris Pennant and Drew Stevens, two of our runners, Supreme. Josh um, may be on later. We are uh, not sure. But um, just wanted to do a quick 
uh, hour or so tonight because uh, you know we had planned on it, but uh, I think tonight just became a, a whole different thing from when we first planned the show because of what happened in the afternoon, a pretty historic afternoon and evening for the NBA. Um, for only the second time, it seems, in the whole league's history, uh, scheduled games have been boycotted or, or uh, you know, some people are going over the difference between a boycott and a strike or whatever. I don't think it's a strike because it hasn't been – I wouldn't say it's a strike. because Yeah, yeah, prolonged yet. It has to be more prolonged than this. But in any in any event, player there were three games that were scheduled to play playoff games down in the bubble in Orlando, and none of them will be played tonight. And it is uh, uh it is pretty much in response to the happenings that happened in in Kenosha as part of what's other events that have happened this year that have inflamed the players as members of the black community. As, as Americans, really, as we all should be, but unfortunately, so many of us aren't, that we still have to fight through this, through through that uh, rhetoric. But the actual fighting that we're doing is against police violence, uh, violating unarmed people and us uh, black people, black men, black women as well. But any anybody who gets this treatment we're fighting for and that's what the nba is standing for tonight and this is like i said it's a historic event it's something that you can imagine happening but it, until you see it happen i don't think it it, it was it, it's hard to imagine it and to really sense it until it actually happens and i think that's a big part of the resonance of this act and what we're seeing and you know we don't know where it's going to go. Apparently, there's going to be a, there's a meeting that's taking place this evening with all the players that are available to all the players who are in the bubble right now, and they're they're going over further plans. And um, you know we could talk about that as what we think may happen or what we would like to see happen as well. But I think just starting off, you know, let's let's talk about our reactions to this and what it means for us as basketball fans, as black men, you know, how do, how are we taking this in? Uh, this is an NBA, a, a pro basketball uh, podcast, I should say. I try, I try to always make that explicit, pro basketball. So that means women as well. And the WNBA, not surprisingly, has also made their stance to not play games tonight. So, you know, let's uh, definitely big up to them as well. And uh, this also has spread surprisingly into the MLB, not so surprisingly, surprisingly not into the NHL. But there are individual players in other sports who have decided not to play and engage in their sports tonight as well. This has been, a, a, like I say, quite an event. And, um, you know, you guys will just start out with, with your initial thoughts. So I think when um, we first heard word that Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell and guys on uh, Boston, Marcus Smart, uh, Jalen Brown were talking about possibly boycotting um, some games within their own series. Um, I immediately was was I was digging it, you know, in terms of I like the fact that they're, they're willing to push things farther and take 
further measure rather than the Black Lives Matter on the court or just the social justice messaging on the back of the jerseys. I love that. But at the time before this afternoon, I thought that um, it wouldn't land with this, the punch wouldn't land with the same force unless more players, more coaches, the NBA as a whole took a step together. Um, so now that we have the news that all these games today are postponed, that they're having a meeting later on tonight, it's, it's, it's definitely hitting harder. It's, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's historic. It's a moment. Um, I know some people are kind of giving Kyrie Irving a pat on the back saying, you know, maybe he was right all along. This is what he was trying to do. Although his was also kind of geared toward not only boycotting the NBA, but also starting their own, starting a, a player's league. Um, but this is, this is, this is huge. I, I want to see where it's going to go because from the outside looking in, I don't know what money is tied up into this restart. Um, and how that can affect things just for the league itself moving forward. Um, but maybe at the very least, it puts more fire on the seat of the people who need to make the decision to reprimand properly the officer and probably even the other two, I believe it was three in total, the other two who were trying to restrain whatever it is they were trying to do to Jacob Blake. I think um, before Chris, before I let you talk, then the fact that the Bucks were the first team who you know you mentioned the this, this talk that ever, that was occurring and emerging from Boston and and Toronto that is significant, and I think a lot turned as well on the uh, the statement that uh, Doc Rivers made last night. I think that was important in this development as well. The Bucks wind up being the team that officially made the the, the statement of uh, you know not playing. They were going to play Orlando in uh, just after three o'clock. They were going to tip off three o'clock uh, Central Time, and um, I, that that's important I think because the Bucks uh, are the team essentially of the area that Jacob Blake's shooting occurred in Kenosha, just. Uh, 30, 40 miles outside of Milwaukee. And um there's there was there's been some there's been some tweeting, some um uh, mentioned on social media that they've actually been in a phone call, the team members of the team have been in a phone call with the governor and lieutenant governor of Wisconsin as well. So I think when you talk about direct pressure being made, that that could be of significance because you're talking about the the team Milwaukee Bucks being in conversation with lawmakers in the specific area where uh you know this latest injustice has occurred so we're going beyond just doing something that's representative of a, of a certain feeling and, and a certain camaraderie with the you know the black community but you know you also you know they say it's going beyond just that that representative statement so uh you know we'll see what comes of that as well but uh it it does like i said it is of, of some significance that goes beyond just the the average kneeling or you know the stitching of low stitching of phrases on a jersey or painting black lives matter on the court yeah. one more thing chris just think about this think about how 
it became so trendy or PC to kneel or what, to, to wear a Black Lives Matter shirt that we started to look at people who weren't doing that. That was taboo now. You know, so it's just crazy the span of the, the span of time and the events that have transpired. Well, yeah, you get it to you get to a certain point of you know of trendiness, and I think you know I don't want to derail our, our discussion, but I think I've, I've had issues with certain ways that certain messages have been that people have tried to get things across in certain ways over the over the past few months, and I think Brianna Taylor in particular is. Uh, with Rihanna Taylor, that's been particularly an issue to the point where certain things become meme like or 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 really memes, you could say, full out. And I think they lose power that way and they become some just another thing that people get caught up on on the internet. So, you know, it is we have to watch those things, I think, when we talk about getting certain messages across and their effectiveness, you know, at certain points. Things happen because of calls and moves that nobody sees. Just putting yourself out there and giving, do, putting, patting yourself on the back on social media, you know, that's not, uh, that's in the end, that's all you're doing at certain points when you latch on to certain things and you don't present other information or, you know, do things to push a, a situation forward. Yeah, I um, I agree with that. It's it's hard to focus. I'm sorry, it's it's a little hard to focus with everything that's going on today. It's weird too because this should be this should feel like a victory, right? Especially for somebody who's moved so far left um, socially and politically as I have. Like I've been hoping for a, a general strike for a long time, and this is probably the first step. This is the first tiny step towards that, you know. Yeah. Um, Chris, Chris, can explain yourself more to those who haven't followed you online because you you have been pretty staunch, and I and I want to say because of the way you feel, I appreciate the way that you've been able to uh, be a part of what we do, and you know because what we do is is really a byproduct of what they're of what's been the games that are being played, and you don't have to engage with us as well as engage with anything that's happening on the sports side so i just say i appreciate you being a part of what we do but you know if you just want to explain in in general your general stance in regards to games being played right now so we when we came together on when we started doing the running with war back in the springtime i was honestly hoping that leagues wouldn't play uh one because it was dangerous and then after george floyd uh, was killed by police. And then, um, I mean, Breonna Taylor was killed by police before that. It was a month or two before that in February. I was hoping that players would find it within themselves to decide not to play because that would force people to pay attention to what was going on, what they had to say, rather than what they were doing on the court. People wouldn't get swallowed up in stats and numbers and games. And to the players' credit, I want to I want to say this. To the players' credit, it's been really they've they've made they've taken it upon themselves to keep the focus on those larger issues, both in yeah. the WNBA and in the MNBA on the men's side. They've taken it upon themselves to do that. The National Women's Soccer League, 
uh, Major League Soccer. They, they, they tried to do that. They really tried. The problem is that the people who, they, they, the, the message wasn't for the people who already knew, like us. Like Joshua isn't here, like us, like the, the media people that we know. That message wasn't for us. It was for the people who were in the middle who were still kind of wavering on like, well, was this right or was this wrong? He had a criminal record. Or the people who were just staunch defenders on the complete other side. And those people still, some people are moving. Shout out to my, my guy down in Peoria, Mike, who I argued with about um, Michael Brown back in the day. And who now is his has really moved on to this side. But there's few there's few very few mics out there who know what's good. So that's why I feel like this is big. One, just socially, when when you take when you take away the actual labor, when you take away the the product, when the, the people who are who are who are creating the product decide to that they're not they're gonna stop. In this case, the players the personnel side, we're not playing, we're boycotting. Then one, the audience has to look up and the people who benefit from that product, they have to pay attention. So that's why this is important to me. And it's weird, like, again, it's weird that I don't feel as good as I should because I don't, it's kind of like we're standing on, the, on a ledge. We can either fall or fly. And I don't know what's gonna happen next. But this is, this is really, this is a real momentous occasion. Like you said, Kyle, we've only really seen this once before. And in this little video I made earlier, I, I could think of two times. And one was when Bill Russell and the rest of his teammates decided yeah. to take a stand in night. It was in 1961. Uh, and I know me, I got it up here. Uh, yes, 1961, an exhibition game. Uh, Bill Russell. Uh, this is a tweet from L. Duncan of ESPN. Uh, Bill Russell with a handful of other Celtics sat out in protests of racial injustice. Uh, her, her comment, she goes on, the fact that we are still doing this 50 years later for the same thing should be incredibly telling. And it's been, we've seen the, we've seen the women's basketball players all season long commit to speaking about these things before they play. And that's hard, man. It's got. It's been hard for us to do work, right? It's been hard for us yeah. to be to stay working this whole time, and they got to go out there for forty minutes on the women's side, forty eight on the men's side, and put their their bodies on the line while their souls are apart from where they should be. So that's hard. It's really hard. So I think this was just like the final the final straw for them. So and, I, and it's not a strike yet. My fault. My fault. It's not a strike yet. But I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that it becomes one. I really am. I wouldn't mind seeing these seasons not finish. I think it's more important now. Yeah. And it's you 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 mentioned um you know just how you know it it's it's been tough. It's been tough on the average black person I believe going through these things back to back to back. You know, this has already been a harrowing time just to be in America. If you you take away all the racial stuff it's a harrowing time to be in America under a pandemic, under mass unemployment, under leadership that is so callous and cruel. It, you know, even if they weren't racist, but we have to deal with all that as well as black people, you know, on top of that. You know, it's, it's like Bill, Bill Price, uh, Bill Pryor, 
Richard Price said, you know, it's hard enough to be human, but we have to be black on top of that, you know. And, um, you know, I think another thing, one thing before this, you know, uh, everything that happened today that I wanted to get into with the show was Paul George mentioned, giving mention that his anxiety and things that he felt that he has felt being in the bubble. And this is, you know, in the context of just regular anxiety and depression. And it may have played in this may have played a role in his struggling play leading up to the last game that he played. He actually had a good game in his last game, but that was due to him reaching out for help. And I can imagine that there, he isn't the only one who probably feels that way. And a lot of the, a lot of the anxiety that these brothers may be feeling in the bubble and the sisters in the in the wobble may be due to having these feelings of of not being in control of their fate as people as black people and wanting maybe to be out and do do things in in the greater world that can that that can help affect change and you know I, I applaud the movement that's happening. You know, I applaud any any type of movement that these that these men and women make that makes that that makes them reveal. I mean, that helps them get in touch with what they're really feeling right now, and that that is revelatory to their true motivations right now. And if they don't want to, I was a I was a person at the beginning of all this. And it was it, it kind of came down. We kind of talked about this on earlier shows, you know. They were they were risking a lot by not by the NBA in particular was risking a lot by even broaching the topic of not playing these re- remainder of the games of the season. There's a lot of money that's on the line. There's the possibility of the force majeure, uh, whatever that you know being called upon by league owners and stuff which would have taken them out of the CBA, current CBA contract. And I was thinking, like, maybe that's not a – no, for them in their industry, they have to – they should keep that steady in order for them to to allow themselves to do good for others. And, you know, they can poss- – you know, they can do things within their platform that they're going to have that will be effective – in, in the context of them being athletes and NBA players and whatnot. And really for the most part, you can say that they've done that. Like, like Chris, you, you know, you give them the props, you give the WNBA the props for being who they are and live in not, uh, you know, they've, they've relied on slogans and stuff for a lot, a lot of it, but they've been real. They've been real in, in press conferences. You know, they've been real with the media. They've been real with, Whatever chance they get, they've been real with with the public in regards to what they want and what they feel. But at some point, you get when you start to see these things happen. Still, within the season that you're playing, when you're you think you're you're you think you're pushing along, you think you're getting, you think you're helping advance things, and you see this happen again. There's is a breaking point that occurs. And I think we've reached that breaking point. And if it means that we don't play any more NBA games for 2020, then that's just the price that we have to play as a society. Because 
we don't deserve any type of of uh you know distraction we don't deserve any type of of play no, we don't really deserve what they're giving us on any level and you know uh, it's like i said i'm just riding i'm riding with them whatever they whatever they choose to do after these meetings tonight i'm riding with them yeah, I can't say any more than that, man. It's weird that the White Sox played today, you know? Not that, not to say that they... Um, thought they would play tonight, but they have changed their mind, and Elizabeth Williams would like to read this statement. After speaking with representatives from teams playing tonight, as well as our WNBPA leadership, the consensus is to not play in tonight's slate of games and to kneel, lock arms, and raise fists during the national anthem. We stand in solidarity with our brothers in the NBA We'll continue this conversation with our brothers and sisters across all leagues and look to take collective action. What we have seen over the last few months and most recently with the brutal police shooting of Jacob Blake is overwhelming. And while we hurt for Jacob and his community, we also have an opportunity to keep the focus on the issues and demand change. These moments are why it's important for our fans to stay focused, hear our voices, know our hearts, and connect the dots from what we say to what we do. We encourage everyone to go and register to vote now, today. If you truly believe that Black Lives Matter, then vote. Go and complete the 2020 census now. Don't wait. If we wait, we don't make change. It matters. Your voice matters. Your vote matters. Do all you can to demand that your leaders stop with the empty words and do something. This is the reason for the 2020 season. It is in our DNA. We have been saying her name. We are lifting the names of black and brown women whose murders have been forgotten. We will continue to use our platform to speak of these injustices that are still happening and demand action for change. Black Lives Matter, say her name, say his name. Tonight we stand and while we have heavy hearts, we stand with strong and determined voices and ask all our fans to vote, to engage, and to make that difference. You know, I'm, like I said, again, I'm, I'm thank, I thank you guys for coming on with me. You know, I feel in some ways like not wanting to do anything either. Like, you know, I've, I feel tired. I feel, uh, you know, confused. And I mean, I, I just feel a lot of different things. It's confused, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's like it's it's a weird, you know. How, how do you feel, Chris? It's like I, it's how do you can you word your your stuff like confused, you know? man? It's yeah. just it's just been really confusing. Like I said, I should feel, I should feel energized, but I think yeah. there's just a. I was talking to somebody else about it, and it, it shouldn't feel like a weight, but it feels like that. It feels like like the atmosphere is real heavy. Like there's a lot more gravity on you than there should be, sure. because like. They had they had a meet up at Union Park tonight for everything for everything that's going on because BLM Chicago has been every single day CTU has been every single day and I was like I should go there I should be there for that and I I didn't want to miss this because I I know what we do is important when we do in these moments is important um but I don't it's hard there's just something there's something like there's always been something just kind of like pulling down on you. And I think it's just the idea. I think it's just the fear of it. Maybe just I've, I've, as soon as I think about it, I think about not only the fact that 
that the police did this to this dude. But then this this kid from Antioch who backed the police yeah. went up there went up there with his gun and shot two people and 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 police just let him walk. They let him walk, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like how many times has the little thing gone off at the store because the the tag that you had at TJ Maxx was still on the clothes and they were like, "Hey, man, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second." <laughs> Yo, you got everything on this receipt at Costco? Is this? Did you buy all this? And they let this dude walk through the lines with with a with a rifle. So it's it's hard it's hard to deal with and it's hard to comprehend. So I think that's that's what it is. It's just it's very weighty, and that kind of is you can't really have. It's hard to have joy in this atmosphere that's not tempered by something, even if there's something joyous like. Uh, Cheryl Reeve, the Minnesota coach, one of their best players was out for a while um, because I believe she was she was pregnant. She just had her son a couple weeks ago. So they just got uh, Odyssey Sims back. And I just was scrolling through Twitter and they had a press conference. I think every coach had the typical uh, either pregame or their daily press conference media session. And she said she was talking about Cheryl Reed was talking about what kind of world Odyssey Sims son was going to have to grow up in. Mm. It's like what Chris Webber said on TNT earlier. And I know Chris Webber gets a lot of flack for his over analysis. Like he gets real breathless, <laughs> but tonight was the best thing I've ever heard Chris Webber say. And it wasn't performative. It wasn't, it wasn't television for television's sake. He was being real about it. So I, I think is even I think what we're feeling is that we know that there's so much work to be done, yeah. if anything, um, like this is a start. But there's so much work to be done because you either got to change some minds or I don't know what the alternative is, man. You got to take those minds out of the equation somehow. You might have to get to the it, it, just go back to that old saying. With the, we know vote. We keep hearing vote. Everybody vote. But I'm here to speak for those that are always marginalized. Those that live in these neighborhoods where we preach and tell them to vote and walk away. Charles Barkley came to my high school. Just seeing him in the locker room, seeing his hands, his body, that inspired me. You can't see something can't be something till you see it. And when I tell you the little kids that have called me upset, I have a godson that has autism and I just had to explain to him why we aren't playing. I have young nephews that I've had to talk to about death before they've even seen it in a movie. If not now, when? If not during a pandemic, <laughs> and countless lives being lost if not now when that's that's all i just want to hear from the rest of the night where everybody's pontificating and thinking and soapboxing and all of that we know nothing is going to change we get it if martin luther king got shot and risked his life mega evers if we've seen this and all of our heroes constantly taken down we understand it's not gonna end but that does not mean young men that you don't do anything don't listen to these people telling you don't do anything because it's not going to end right away. You are starting something for the next generation and the next generation to take over. Do you have to be smart? Yes. Do you have to make sure that you have a plan? Yes. 
Do you have to be articulate about that plan? Yes. All of those things. But that's what you're going to do. They're professionals. They know how to be the best of themselves. And so I applaud it. I applaud it because it is the young people. It is the young people leading the way. And I applaud them. Making statements on TNT and on NBA TV as well. Because that's what I was first watching uh, when the announcements were made for the uh, the Orlando-Milwaukee game because – uh, that's where they were airing on NBA TV, and um, they were they were just reeling out everybody: Sam Mitchell, Isaiah Thomas, and all these brothers had different thing, ways that they approached the stuff, but they were all so uh, engaging and and uh, you know earnest in what they were saying. And um, you know, it's hard. I I don't think you can watch that stuff and come away and be like just feel the same way that you did you know if, if you even if you are against some of the things or if you're if you were the type to be like well that that guy shouldn't have argued with the police he, he should have respected the police you know you got at some point you got your yeah, humanity's got to kick in man and it's got to be like you know what is this all for what are we all leading to if a man can't you know just walk to his car peacefully and you know worry about getting shot seven times back seven times not just once he ain't, they didn't just they didn't fire up a warning shot they didn't even put out a taser they the, the the cop immediately just went to shooting them and that's that could have been any of us and we that's how we grow up in america feeling that that could be any of us at any Anytime uh, uh, any type of conflict breaks a certain way, we can end up in that situation. And that's the way that all these NBA players feel too, past and present, that they could be in that position. Their sons could be in that position, their grandsons. And that's where the, all the emotion is coming from today. And that's if you can't respect that, man, you know, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. You know, I, I really don't. Yeah, it's it's um both of you guys made great points, man. I think Chris, when you when you spoke about, you know, it feels like this should bring about a sense of of maybe maybe some sort of a, a sense of accomplishment or a glimmer of hope with these boycotts, but I think it's just because you know, we lived in this in this time period and we've and we've seen the things that have gone on and how protests seem to only have done so much and like these things are so deeply ingrained in our country i don't even it's, it's hard to imagine a complete tearing down of those things it's i'm scared to death trying to raise my son as is just with all the things that in our in our world in our society that can potentially endanger his own sense of himself his own confidence in this world his own growth let alone you know, the manipulation of a president, the goings on of a pandemic, which we still have no vaccine for, police, uh, you know, acting on their own fear or hatred or some weird combination of the two. And instead of apprehending a suspect, they immediately choose to pull their firearm. And it's just amazing to me, even when guns aren't drawn why why is it like a gang meetup 
whenever they're trying to apprehend a suspect. I don't, I'm not a police officer. I don't have any friends in, or I don't have any family members in, in police um, departments, but it always seems like it's five on one, six on one, seven on one. And there's a, uh, a black man or woman pinned to the ground by six different people. And it's, 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 it feels like it was just made. How many times do we see that driving around the city Man. where a, there's a stop and you got two or three Chicago police cars surrounding somebody for a, for a traffic stop, you know? It's like, oh, we got one. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It really is, man, that's a great way to put it, Drew. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into like, um, what's the right word? Like shared trauma porn. But I don't know how many, I don't know how many times y'all have been, um, I'm going to say cornered, I'm going to say cornered by police. But it happened to me a few times when I was down in Peoria for school. And there was one time specifically where I could almost understand it, right? Like I was, I came out of, um, I came out of my dorm and there was a party I was trying to go to and I was late. I, I was like 20 minutes late. And me being me at that time, I was 19 years old. It was nighttime, but I was like, yo, I got to run over here. And I ran Bradley's campus. There's Main Street. And on one side of Main Street is Bradley's campus. On the other side is just houses. There's some off-campus houses that people live in, but it's not owned by the university or everything. So it's just the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I like was running down the street, ran across the, the street, and then was running down that block. And uh, a cop, I think on a bicycle, he said he was yelling at me, but I didn't hear him. And I had my headphones on. I didn't hear him until he was like right up next to me. And I jumped. I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And my man is like, oh, why are you running? I was like, I got to go somewhere. I'm late. I'm going to this party. I had on slacks because I was at a, an or I was in the orchestra for uh, a play, a musical. So I had on like black slacks and a, and a white shirt and my jacket. And dude stopped me he's like let me see your id and then all of a sudden like another car comes up and two other guys come out and they're in this like they're in shout out to scooter magruder they were in triangle formation like around me you know just in case just in case i decided to run and i was sitting on the grass like i wasn't trying to go anywhere i was still shook that this dude like ran up on me with you know from out of nowhere i was scared and so think about that that's three that's three university police officers at a small university and that's just one time that's just one time something like that happened to me in peoria you see this happen in in major cities smaller cities like kenosha it's like cats are just i don't know if cats are scared or or anything else but that's the first thing that jumps to mind when you need that many people to to like to to squat up on, on one person, you gotta be scared. Like you have to be scared. Yeah. And if these cats are living in fear, they need to be in another line of work. Yeah. Because we're living in fear trying to live. Y'all are living in fear trying to work. You know what you do when you do that? You know what you do when you are afraid and you're trying to work and you have other options? You go get another damn job. <laughs> you go you go run a paper route. Do something. Do something where you're less scared of if you're gonna make it home. You know? There's other people who can do what you do without getting shook scared every time the time comes. Doc said it very well. He's like, he, he was talking in the context of the Republicans and the 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 hate that that they spew, the, the vitriol that they spew. Like, 
they so much of what they say is based on and then it is it's really it's really easy to see if you just think about it they spark fear in their voting base because they want them to go out and vote for the bullshit that they want to get across in government and you know doc said like you keep talking about you're scared but we're the ones getting shot we're the ones dying in the street we should be scared we are scared but y'all the ones keep talking about fear <laughs> and it's, it's how is is it's a basic irrationality that comes from that i think it, it is expressed in in police tactics and and then in, in the 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 funding of police police having uh you know military style equipment and mil the militarization overall of police police in fit towns of fifteen thousand getting equipment that was used in iraq for what and this is what people talk about when you talk about defunding the police why do you have equipment that is that could be used to invade a small country when you're just policing you know at uh, small towns or you know you're bombarding little square block radiuses of black people who are committing petty crimes at most the only murders that may occur in, in some of these the only murders that may occur in a town like kenosha is probably going to be the police shooting a black man you know right. like who's it, getting jammed up in kenosha man <laughs> you know it, it's it's ridiculous and it, it is you know it is it, it's just so much that doesn't work about what's going on now I don't even know why you would want to fight, you know, the the idea of change. The, you have to, if you fight an idea of change, it's only because you think that black people or poor people, however you want to contextualize it, deserve the treatment that we get. And, you know, that's not right. And we, and we got to keep fighting that. Yeah, I'm just, I want to see what the next, what the next steps are. What's gonna happen? What comes about this this boycott? Uh, how long it's gonna last? What the players are are seeking um, beyond just the uh, arrest of the officers involved in Jacob Blake shooting? I want to see what happens with that. I really do. Dude, what what in your mind? What do you think are, are some of the things in a general sense? Because I think it it is affecting. Like I mentioned what was going on with the Bucks and in, in was in response directly and they have a a civic tie to what's going on with that particular case. But do you think that there are there's a statement or a, a sort of plan that you know the NBA can endorse or the NBA players or you know, because you're talking about we are talking about two different organizations essentially. The NBA is one organization and the players organization is another organization. So you can have the players organization make their own statement and the NBA can be, you know, they could run, they could join them in that, but they could also be, you know, standoffish about it. They're not going to be so much against it, at least publicly. You know, we've seen from their, from their recent record, we've seen 
that. But you do have, you know, other leagues like the NFL that may be more, uh, you know, uh, more antagonistic to their players. So, you know, these things, you got to keep those things in mind as well. We talk about what a league can do because a league is made up of different components. But anyway, let's get back to my question. You know, Drew, like, what do you, in the, when it comes to moving forward, is there anything in particular in mind that you would like to see from either the, the NBA players or the NBA or, or coalition? Man, that's a great question, man. I think just what we've all said, just number one, pushing uh, the district attorney or whoever needs to be pushed to prosecute arrest and prosecute individuals involved in that shooting, especially, I think it was only the one officer that actually shot, right? Actually fired his weapon. Yeah, right. they, yeah. yeah, him for sure. In that case, yeah. Yeah, and the other, other officers involved. Um, man, that's a great question, man. Because, uh, it, you know, I think it may have to come down to, if you're talking about a league that services different, like the NBA has had, for a long time, they've had the NBA Cares initiative, right? And that's yeah, that's been you know, it's it's left up it's left up each team, each organization, to do different things in their community to outreach things, you know, things with children, things with schools, you know, things with the poor or whatever. I I think you have you have to have some sort of equal measure that is specifically about uh police violence about you know uh you know yeah violence against uh against people of color and um you know i had uh, you gotta have something of that sort that's organized that they endorse and that it that allows the players to be active in their communities when they return to those communities or the ones that are already in their communities let them engage immediately with their communities as representatives of the NBA and the NBA Players Association. I, you know, I, you got to give room for these players to be the activists that they want to be. Yeah, or maybe too, just instead of, you know, just separate, um, you know, summer activities, maybe like uh, some sort of re some resources set up within those communities by the NBA. Um, maybe some community type outreach programs. Um, man, when, when I was a kid, I remember like officer friendly programs where the officers coming to your school classroom. And, you know what I'm saying? Introduce yourself, and it's kind of like a, uh, a getting to know you type session. I, I don't even, I can't even remember if they, the last time I ever remember hearing about them still doing that. I, I know times are much different now, but that could go a long way too when you're. Well, we we try to get the officer friendly out the schools now, man. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, well, little maybe did we know that dude didn't exist, man. Maybe that's the reason why. Part of the reason why we're here, small part, you know, yeah. stopping yeah. programs like that. You could you could say that's propaganda in in a lot of ways that they were trying to get into the kids' heads back in the day, you know, with all that type of stuff. But you know, yeah, yeah, I definitely. Uh, in mentioning the CARES program, I think there is a sort of system that's in place to do things within each NBA community and spread it out to where, like you say, they can have 
these outreach programs, they can have these things that, and, and a lot of it too, because you're talking about in the end laws that may have to be changed and stuff enacted or changed. They they may have to get into the whole uh, advocacy game where, you know, and, and this is tricky because so much of that just comes to feeding money to politicians. And, you know, that's that's sort of a sickness that's in our system, too. But if you want but the best way to make politicians prioritize certain issues is to give them money. And maybe and we talk about money that is available that the NBA has, you know, maybe they have to to use some of that money to tell politics to tell politics instead of like doing things that teams normally do like try to hustle to get new stadiums or you know or get tax breaks and stuff they gotta put their money where their mouth is in regards to reforming policing and reforming you know the these ills that plague the communities that su that support them so much and that give them life you know it's not just about uh you know making your organization having connections to the business uh the business leaders in your community which they do so often with you know uh you know you know the way that they serve rich people in sky boxes and stuff and in the hundred level seats and making sure that they're that they have that they can get sponsors to sponsor their organizations they have to do things monetarily that allow them to pick up the the neighborhoods the poor neighborhoods in the in the cities that they call home and protect them from you know out of out of control law enforcement and the like as well i mean this this might sound really random i'm just thinking out loud now but i wonder how many officers actually uh, patrol in their own neighborhood neighborhoods or communities not many probably not many no you, uh, you know like most chicago cops are from out northwest side yeah and yeah and, and and that's i think that's that's like uh that's the thing in chicago you have to live technically in the city but you don't have to live anywhere close to where your beat is hmm. like you say chris most of them live on the northwest side or they live live on the south side. They live in Mount Greenwood or thereabouts. You know, they don't live in they don't live in Woodlawn. They don't live in Inglewood. They don't live in Bronzeville. They don't live in in Roseland. And the, so the community only sees them when they're in in uniform and they're trying to apprehend somebody. And and in, who knows how those situations are going to go now? You know, we know who that those situations can go in any any direction once they spark off and rarely do they end in a situation where uh the person from the neighborhood is left pleased usually they're left scarred in some way and it's i i, I man i thought i had something and i pretty much got nothing man <laughs> i really thought i had something but there's nothing more i can say on that you gotta, you gotta live. It comes to you. In, in this thing, you gotta live where you, you gotta work somewhere close to where you live for something like that. Like it's, I think it's, it's um. 
it's almost too optimistic to think that we're going to get that. But you gotta, you gotta know those people. You there has to be a way to make it an initiative for people to actually get to know those people. At this point, I think it might be too optimistic because I don't know if we can get that back. You know, there's sometimes you say you're in a relationship, if you're in a relationship of any kind, a, a romantic one or a friendship, or even like a teacher-student, right? There's there's a trust that's there. Say like a teacher-student relationship. As a student, you walk in preschool or first grade, you trust that this person is here to help you, to educate you, to assist you when things are going you know, badly for you, if you're having trouble in some way, at least to like help you along. And as a student, the idea is that you're going to like pay attention, you're going to try and get the material, you're going to do what you can to learn as long as the environment is conducive for you, as long as you can learn, right? So mm -hmm. you have that trust there. And there is, that's a contract, it's a social contract, that's this whole thing. When the contract gets broken, it's hard to rewrite it. You might have a couple chances, but as you know, for, for teachers and students, if the teacher fails a student, it's hard for the student to trust that teacher. If the, if the student fails the teacher, it's hard for the teacher to trust that student again. And so, you, but you, in those situations, you've got chances, right? You have other opportunities. T students are going to have other teachers. Teachers are going to have other students. But we've gone on so long with this contract between with so many new generations coming in of black people, of brown people, of of people who are gay, lesbian, queer, transgender, you know, by anything, biracial, have to have on it where they've come in and they hear what people tell them is like, hey, be careful here. And you're like, well, you know, I've heard, you know, I'm educated to believe that these are the people to protect us. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And then they break that trust and they break that trust and they break that trust and over 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 again until that point where it's like, I'm not going to trust you, man. Like, you can tell me what you want to do. You can say what you want to say, but that's it. Like, if I see a police officer come around, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not going to give you any help. I'm not going to trust you. I'm scared of you. So there's no real way, even, even if we have police officers live in the neighborhoods they cover, even if they live on their beat, what's going to happen? It would take just as much time as it has to bring us to this point, which is going on 100 years, 150 years for the police force and 400 plus years for the idea of people patrolling neighborhoods to repair that if not more. So you're talking 2420 that police officers are going to be like trusted by the people that they're they're supposed to be protecting? Is that possible? Is that plausible? Is it even is it even a possibility, you know? Will America even exist in that by that uh bro. Yeah. Will we be living on earth? Yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's crazy like and and, and a lot of that too. Like that's a good, uh, you know, allegory or, you know, uh, or you know, comparison that you made, there, Chris. Like, you know, it's, it seems like we talk about generations. Each generation coming in is sort of like a new class that comes in and learns from a, a teacher who has no uh, care for their well-being. It's like a bad teacher who. Who's uh, on tenure and never can't get 
can oh, get man. fired. You know, and they and they spew the same crap to the each class, and they treat them like they treat them like crap, and they they bat their knuckles whenever they ask a question, and they each new class gets that same treatment, and each class tries to stand up to them in some way, but they see that no change comes about, and then they leave and go leave leave that class embittered and uh. And, and worn down and then then they sort of tell the new class they're coming along well you may want to watch out but it's probably not going to get you anywhere even if you stand up to them because the principal is just as bad as the teacher and you know this at some point we 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 got to get the teacher out the paint get the teachers got to lose their job and the principal got to lose them too and we gotta we gotta reform completely in some way. And and you know, nobody has no single person has the answer to all that, but as a community, we gotta come together and and figure that out. Cause you know, I don't want I don't know if how many kids I'm gonna have in this life, if any. You know, I but we you know, Drew, I know you do have a child and you know, whether you have a child or not, who wants to leave another class? to figure out these horrible things that we've had to figure out in our lifetimes. You know, we all were born into this society and we had to figure, we had to, like, I'm old enough and Drew, I think we're all old enough to in some way remember 92. And I think that was probably the first time when, when the LA riots happened, when you really figured out, well, not necessarily figured out, but you got to see, something that happened in our society that was truly unjust and what that means when people have to face that and you know we from then on we've we've continued to see more and more things happen on a on a racial fault line that have threatened to tear apart and and uh you know and, and look like setbacks when we should be progressing you know why haven't we seen the progress that so many have died and fought for you know i'm sure a lot of you know we had a guy like john lewis just passed and you know god bless him he was such a positive guy and such a, a hopeful guy but he knew that you had to put in work to recreate this this country as well and a lot happened under his watch and the and the watch of people like him that is that have benefited us. But for I, I can only imagine inside what it was like for him to see what has happened in the last few years, you know, transpire to see the people who we've been who we've allowed to get elected in office and the things the hate and the the thing the things that they spewed out in the way that you know, certain things have risen back in our society, you know, on a on a pop on a near popular level that you know people aren't even afraid of hiding these emotions and these these beliefs anymore because they feel I don't know what they feel or think uh, if they feel like they're losing their country or something, but you know it's it's just it's just insane that we have to keep fighting these same battles 
generation after generation because there has been at least one generation that's changed over since 1992. Yeah. And, you know, we you talk about, gen, you know, the, the millennials and I guess which where, where we fit in and, you know, you have the Gen Zers or Gen Yers or whatever. They're the ones who are now entering college. And they're the ones who are who stand to be put in a triangle by three university police like you were, Chris. And that stuff, I mean, if they could even get on their campus at any point this year because of the other shit that's happened. But if they do, if they were on campus, they could be privy to that because of, of, of their skin color. So it's like, you know, I, it, it's, it's, it, it's disheartening in that way, but we do get to, you know, every little step that we can take, we have to, uh, you know, take some solace in that, that there are more and more allies than there have ever been, that more people recognize just what's wrong with this country than there's ever been. And, you know, the energy, we got to use that energy, that added energy to make something happen. Cause some, I, I, I have that feeling more so than ever that, you know, cause we've seen so many things that we've never seen before this year, good and bad. And, you know, there has been some good with that as far as, you know, you, you know, Drew, you wrote about this on the website, the, about the Washington team changing their name and, you know, stuff like, you know, some of the, you could say that's trivial. But it's all. But those are also things that we never thought were going to happen. Would happen. We could have a hard time imagining happening. You know, we had up until three o'clock today. We had a hard time imagining that basketball players would willingly step away from a playoff game. But that's happened. So, you know, we have to keep our imagination. You know, we 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 have to keep that hope we can't we ain't none of us gonna be uh you know uh we none of us gonna look at these things through rose colored glasses we're not gonna be you know uh naive about these things none of us we've all lived enough life to not be naive but change can occur and it, it and it happens through struggle but uh you know if, if there's more of us out there than the enemy, then I, I think what we're going to, we'll see enough change to maybe, you know, to make it not so bad in, in the end, you know. I, I don't know in the end of our lives, but at the end of this decade, I don't know however, however we can, you know, however time, time frame it'll be. I, but I think we'll get to that place you know king like king sort of said we'll get to that place uh you know he we may not get there at the same time but we'll get there so i i'll, I'll try to leave it on a positive smart place you know i appreciate you appreciate those words man because it's just it's just easy to kind of fall into that that place man where of hopelessness so i appreciate your words and, and that that encouragement that it does mean a lot. Yeah, I think we got to feel that way, man. It's like, you know, 
is I, I just don't think that I think that there's more people who who understand what's wrong than more people who don't at this point like the the, the continuing fight's going to be in making the people who have power feel that way mm-hmm. and making them work to do the things that we want and not the things that they want and the people who they've typically felt uh felt uh that they had to work for they they got to work for us now they got to they can't work for the typical people who they've been uh in in you know enslaved to in a way you know or you know it's it's, it's i saw a tweet from lupe uh a little while ago and he it had an image of these big businesses and how much money they uh they're invested in them that comes from police pensions and it it's it's sort of it's sort of one of those things that you don't think about but it's sort of it makes sense when you just think about it a little bit like so many of these large companies the investments in them come from police pensions and you know he 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 advocated police being relieved of those pensions when they do things like shoot innocent uh innocent uh people unarmed people so you know as long as we have that imagination and those ideas and that vigilance to think of the way that the things are connected and maybe disconnect them you know try to you know change the wiring we i think we have a chance to make more wins than losses going forward fred van Vliet spoke about it on tuesday uh spoke about you know why the mics always faces and just my own perspective on it is why are these athletes always the first to to make these waves what's what's going on with our politicians man why why are there two pieces of legislation that never really had a chance of even getting passed because of certain language in it that the other side didn't agree to? I think it's, it's not going to happen. It's, it's pie in the sky. But, man, if we could get rid of political distinctions and just make it more about, you know, I think this is right and this is wrong. Not this is on the Republican ticket, so I got to go with this. So this is Democratic, so I got to feel this way. It's, it's like I said, it's not going to happen, but it's just like you spoke to earlier, Kyle, just the humanity of things. We we need to get back to that. I don't know what it's going to take because after this year, if it, if it hasn't happened to this point already, I don't know what it will take. The you know? people, the people have to lead the, the, unfortunately, the people have to lead the leaders, the so-called leaders, the people have to lead the lawmakers and not the other way around. We've inv- we've invested so much faith in them over over time. That's what our society in large part is built off of, but they failed us, and you know we we can't allow them to fail us anymore. We have to we have to turn things around ourselves, turn things around on them. And uh, you know I'm looking at my phone right now. Just got an update. You know MLS is joined the boycott. They had five matches today that they called off. So. These things, they sometimes they occur quickly, sometimes they occur slowly. 
but that momentum is there. You could, I, I could feel it, and you could see it. And when we look at today, uh, it's been mentioned that four years to the day, Kaepernick kneeled for the first time. So imagine how far away we were at that point the, from where we are now. Sure. It took a lot of pain to get to this point, but we've progressed since then. More people understand Colin Kaepernick now than I've ever, than ever, than whenever before, and certainly than ever did four years ago to this day. And we were on the verge of electing Donald Trump that day. We didn't know it. But we were on the verge of that happening. And today, you know, he's going to make probably some incoherent, god-awful speech. And he's going to rally his base. But I think more of the country today than ever before understands that his leadership is, is, is a result of a lot of things in, in our society, in our country, that we have to to get rid of and that you know and and a big part of that's going to be getting rid of him in a in a couple months as well so we just got to keep pushing man and you know i want to i want to leave you guys with that man and, and you know if, I'll, I'll let you guys speak one more time if you got anything else to say but you know we just got to keep pushing man and and, and hope you know just hope that no one you know it, it's it, it's sort of like the Blake story overall. You know, he's not going to die, apparently. He's not going to die at this moment from this incident. So, it's, you know, he could have died, but he's fighting. And he's he should be able to live. And we got to fight so that he could see some change. There's the change that that is deserved of him and the change that is deserved of all those who we lost and those who mourn those people mourn Breonna Taylor who mourn George Floyd who mourn Aubrey down in Georgia and and so many others man so we just you know we play our role here as best as we can you know to inform and, and to let our thoughts be known when we when the time comes you know, I, I, I wanted to do some regular basketball talk, but I can't. I just keep putting myself in the, in the mind to do that. So I I just you know put the mics on with you guys and let you guys speak as you wanted to speak, and and I spoke the way I wanted to speak, and we on record as feeling the way that we feel and being behind the movement that's that's going on. You know, this is a basketball podcast and. Basketball has stood up at the pro level and has let themselves know, be known where they stand with what's going on in the world today. And, and uh, you know, we're right behind them. So, you know, that's, that's uh, the official stance of the Running With War podcast. And we'll leave it at that for this show. And, you know, I don't maybe we won't have another show again this year where we talk regular basketball. If that's the case, then that's the case. But, you know, uh, as it is right now, this is how we stand. So, uh, you know, Drew, Chris, you got anything else y'all want to say? Um, on my part, support the, the journalists breaking these stories, the black journalists, the black women journalists especially. I'm going to just name a few that I know. 
Uh, Ari Chambers, she's been doing some real, really, really, really good stuff. Adina Andrews, um, Erica Lindsay Ayala, LaChina Robinson, who's to call such great games for the WNBA. Um, uh, Megan McPeak out in DC, Ross Gold on Woody, who's going to be on first take tomorrow morning. And then Holly Rose been killing it all um, all season long in the WNBA. And she, I mean, it, it, t- it takes a special amount of respect for those people. As, as they've said, I think Ari said, um, players know who's real. And I know that y'all know that as well. Our man Josh is, is getting so much traction because of that same thing. Same thing with our guy Scoop B. Players know who's real, right? So for those people I named, players respect them. They feel good enough to confide in them um, in times away from the cameras and away from the regular press conferences. And it's important that they broke a lot of this news that came out earlier today that's come out all season. So, and they're, they're having a tough time with it. Um, uh, Shakia Taylor, who I don't think we've had on the show, but she's been doing great work for baseball in Chicago and in MLB. And I've just seen a lot of people say they needed time, man. Like they had to go get, they had to go eat some ice cream or, or do something else. And I don't blame them, you know? Um, this is this is not water in this glass, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> um if you know those people, send them some send them a message, send them something. Um if you don't know them, put in some work, man. The time is the time has been on, but it's the time is definitively now. <clears throat> Put your money up where you can, put your time in where you can, because it's not just, it can't be just the people like us who have to deal with the shit. It's the people who are got to be willing to jump in the shit with us and clear it out. Or I guess in this case, throw the shit in some other people's faces so they understand what it's like, you know? So, so yeah. big ups to those, big ups to those women, big ups to those journalists who have been, um, reporting throughout the the weight of this and who are going to continue to do so so many women represent hold us down for you know through everything good and bad in the media and, and outside it and and in sports like the wnba so definitely respect that statement drew you got anything else to say um i'll just add man i, I appreciate being on with you guys uh I feel like we're in the middle of Yet another storm. Um, I'm anxious to see what's going to come of it, what's going to happen. Man, I just I, I wish you two guys peace of mind, mental, physical. Anybody who watches this, just take care of your take take care of your 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 mental health, man. Take so, care of your chickens. Take, take care, care of your mental. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's, there's so much out here that's that's lurking, man. So you got to. Like you said, you got to get some ice cream, a couple shots of some liquor, you know, read a book, take a walk, something, man. whatever it is, man, that's going to give you that, that exhale that you need in this, in this tough time that we're in right now. And I hope that you are able to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just yeah, take care of yourselves out here, man. We take care of your minds. If you need help with anything, if you need to reach out to someone, do so. If you just feel like feel bad, you know you want to release, you know don't don't you don't have to feel like you're alone out here, you know, because there's so many of us that feel the same way that you probably do, 
and um you know just uh just is just try to recognize man that uh there's, there's value in all our lives man and if we you know we we can't keep going the way that we're going man it, it, just because you know you've had you no know, I, I i'm trying trying to speak to people who just don't get what's going on it's like you know i it's just because you know you you had a bad in, in experience with a black person or just because you 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 may have got something in this world that that you think black people and, and you got it in a certain way and you think that black people are slacking off or they you know they're complaining when there's opportunities out there you know you never know how people have the the type of roadblocks that people have gotten in life and as individuals and as groups so there's nothing absolute about this world in this in this that in this life that we lead but that but what we do know is concrete and that can't be erased is the things that we see on videotapes like those of uh jacob blake's interaction with the kenosha police and of you know of of george floyd interaction with the minnesota minneapolis police when you look at things like that and you don't see you you don't see why people want the changes that we want then you just the ops man and you know i advise you to stay out the way and and if you don't if if you can't stay out the way then you just gonna have to get ran over because the change is gonna occur and you want to if you want to run out here like that boy from Antioch, you know then uh you know i i, I mean i just don't know about that dude man just they, they aren't enough police to protect him you know that at some point he gonna get what's coming to him too so you know try to be on the right side of history that's how i leave just try to be on the right side of history because everyone who who's gone against these things in our society not no none of them really look good and you know what are you talking about george wallace or bull connor or abner doubleday in the sports context you know they all look pretty crappy right now in the, in the light of things so do you want to look like those people in, in you know 40 50 years down the line or do you want to be someone who your family who pet who the future generations can look to and said that they stood for something or that they at least you know that that they at least had decency and and the commonality with their fellow man you know um it's up to y'all man you know it's up to y'all so we go it's gonna leave it at that man uh walk running with war uh we'll maybe be back next week we'll see how things go and uh you know like i said take care of yourself take care of your chickens get try to do whatever you can to soothe yourself and soothe those around you if they need it and uh you know 
much love, guys, and uh, you know, keep your peace out there as best you can. And you know, we'll be uh, we'll see y'all around. All right. All right. Following yesterday's decision to stand in solidarity with NBA players and black and brown communities in Wisconsin and around the country, we will continue demonstrating our solidarity by not playing today. It is important to note that this is not a strike. This is not a boycott. This is affirmatively a day of reflection, a day of informed action and mobilization. Through ongoing conversations last night, in person, and discussions through the morning via extensive text messages, we recommitted to the justice movement. The platform for our advocacy and recommitted to the Say Her Name campaign. We are doubling down on our previous calls to action to contact your local officials and demand reform, register to vote and show up on election day, complete the 2020 census and be counted. Today, we call upon Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron to arrest the officers that killed Breonna Taylor. Today, we call upon the Wisconsin Attorney General, Josh Call, to investigate the officers who were involved in the shooting of Jacob Blake. Let us not let up seeking justice for Sandra Bland, Michelle Cousseau, Shelley Fry, Corinne Gaines, India Kager, Kayla Moore, Laylene Polanco, Michelle Shirley, and other black and brown women who were victims of police violence. If you're watching or listening, and you understand the humanity in the movement for black lives, and you recognize that your voice matters, do not remain idle. Demand that your leaders step up and take real action. Do something today. Freedom always demands sacrifice. And, uh, what they are giving up is limited in terms of standing up for manhood. And this is what they are doing. They have the courage to say, we are going to be men. And the United States of America have deprived us of our manhood, our dignity, and our native worth. And consequently, we're going to stand up and make the sacrifice. And a sacrifice is always necessary to gain that which you seek in a just way.